The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Brett King. Welcome along. Thanks for joining us for episode 20 of The Boys of Tech. I'm Edwin Herman, introducing my co-host, Brett King. Welcome. Howdy. So you're all set for tonight's show. Indeed. And you've had your dinner and all that. Yep, yep, we're all, we're all full. Oh, good, good. That's, that's As long as we don't fall asleep on the show. Indeed, that would be a, a horrible thing for anybody to listening to endure. The audience would want their money back. Yeah, they would. <laughs> Or you'd have a, a lot of work editing. Yeah. <laughs> well, you just look at a long period of silence and just delete that. It might not be that hard. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. So uh, first up tonight, uh, we've got Microsoft announcing the date for the Windows 7 release. Oh, excellent. It's October 22. So does that yeah. mean you're going to be rushing out on the 22nd of October down to your local Harvey Norman store and buy a copy of Windows 7? No, because my copy of Windows 7 release candidate is perfect until March next year. <laughs> oh, well, that's that's a <laughs> that's as good a reason as any not to. <laughs> At least not until March. I'll wait to see what they come out with. Yeah, look, this. you know what? I, I was just a little bit disappointed that they still have these umpteen different versions of it. Yeah. Uh, yes. You know, it's they've got the what have they got? They got the starter, the home premium, the professional, the enterprise, the ultimate, and they say a basic edition will also be added into emerging market. So that's like a total of six different versions. It's like, oh please, I thought we'd been through this. Indeed. <laughs> I thought we decided that was a bad idea. It's, oh, it, it's ridiculous. They, <laughs> I wonder what their pricing plan's going to be like for the the different versions. I haven't had a look at that. <laughs> no, but I'll tell you what they will do, which is quite nice, and that is that they'll offer a, a discount or even a free copy depending on uh, when you bought Vista. So if, you're, if you've recently bought Vista, when I say recent, I mean you know, recent with respect to the launch of Windows 7, uh, they'll, they'll mm-hmm. either give you a free copy of Windows 7 or a, a discounted um, offer, which I mm. think is quite nice. So it means that you don't, oh. you don't feel a bit robbed if you're on the 20... First of October, you decided by Vista. Well, you'll probably get yourself a free copy of Windows Seven, so that's quite nice. Yeah. Oh, well, that's different than the last. Obviously, I've been out of the Windows Seven news loop for a little while. Last I heard was that it was going to be a free upgrade to the equivalent version of Windows Seven from Windows. If you had a legitimate copy of Windows Vista, well, yeah, so, the latest stuff seems so to now it might be a discount. Well, Gosh. I think it depends on when it is. Uh, yeah, Apple did something similar as well. I think if you're in two weeks of the, of the release, I think you got a free copy, and I think for the next three or two weeks following that, it was half price or something like that. Oh, well, whatever that's... it is, it's still nice, of them, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> they don't have to. They could just say, "Well, no." And for those who paid money for Vista or Vista came with the PC that they paid money for, it's that's getting Vista people gypped. Yeah, I agree it wouldn't be a very good thing. Vista was crap. (laughs) They should never have released it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, that's true. This this Windows 7 should be quite good. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's it's brilliant. 
Well, that's uh, how many months now then? We've got uh, three and a half? Yep. No, four and a half? Whatever it is. I was looking forward to my free upgrade. Oh, well. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad they announced the date, so we all know when it is, and I guess there's really no backing out now. They've, they've said when it is, so come 22nd October, we expect to uh, to see queues at the stores. Indeed. I, I, I won't be there, though, but um, I might come, no, around, come around to your place. I. Yeah. <laughs> Unless I get my free upgrade, that is. <laughs> yeah, then you'll be down there. Then I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, too. I would be too. All right, Adobe's released a new service, which I think is fantastic. Brett, tell me what you think. It's a browser comparison service. So if you're a web developer and you want to see what your site looks like in Safari or in a particular version of Opera, you can use the service that Adobe provides and it will show you a side-by-side comparison of two different browsers, same site. Indeed. I think this is really, really good. I, I think... I think it is brilliant. It is one of the most annoying aspects of being a web developer and as part of what I do for a living is um, develop f- stuff for the web I can say it's going to be a boon oh look I'm, I'm so with you on this I it's on my Mac I've got Safari I've got Firefox I've got a virtual PC on my Mac and I have Internet Explorer it's actually a real pain to have to flick between these you know different virtual machines and different browsers within those and test the site, it's a real pain. If I could just go to this, you know, Flash-based system, and this is the other thing we should really point out, this is Flash-based. So it's, uh, you know, you you don't need to install software or anything like that. It's, it's, you know, all done via Flash without any install uh, across the internet. Uh, Punch in your URL and it'll show you a side-by-side comparison. I think this is hugely fantastic. I think it is brilliant. It's brilliant. And, I and a very good competitor to Microsoft's product that they um yeah they brought, they brought out something didn't they uh, a super preview I think it's called yes yes that's it but the, you see the downside of that is it, it's a piece of software you have to install indeed so you still have to be running a Microsoft OS so it, yeah. it, it kind of almost defeats the purpose of you know because you want to be doing cross platform as well as cross browser testing so exactly and super preview only allows you to see what that web page would look like in the last three versions of internet explorer <laughs> how useful is that really i mean come on well it does mean that you can check all of the um you know your css hacks to make sure that they still make your <laughs> web page which looks fine in internet explorer 8 <laughs> looks well, okay, okay but, in internet explorer 6 yeah but what's the biggest what's the biggest gripe from web users out there isn't it like it doesn't work on a mac or doesn't work on my linux box I'm exactly on, you know, that's the biggest gripe, <laughs> and that you see it just doesn't address or at least yet but even so no i think this adobe thing's really good this is um, i think the adobe thing mm. is brilliantly done and it's onion skin preview <laughs> oh, other yeah. than being very weird on the eyes and gives you a bit of a headache if you stare at it too long it does help you um yeah see the placement differences between your different the browsers yeah so it kind of lays one on top of the other semi transparently yep kind of that, you're right that's kind of look very blurry indeed when i first like- saw that image i thought oh my god what's going wrong with my eyes here <laughs> <laughs> looks like something you'd You'd see on the internet when browsing after a Friday night out or something. Indeed. <laughs> but no, it is really useful. And I, I think this could actually save outfits a bit of money. I mean, if you're a developer, you know, doing web applications or just or even just plain websites, 
you you don't have to have all these machines for testing purposes. You don't need any of that anymore. You just use a service. And the amount of time you're going to save. Yes. One, yeah. yeah. Plug in the URL in the the Flash app. It shows you it in all the different ways. It's going to be brilliant. The only thing, of course, is that it's not going to be always free. Uh, no, a, no, pre- it's yeah. offered free to begin with yeah. as a you know, free preview of its new service. As with most Adobe products, it then becomes pay. Well, I think it's a, it's fair enough though to pay. You can this is kind of something this is something you'd expect to pay for, isn't it? Indeed. Indeed. It's a good professional service. Yep. Yep. No, That's going to save you time. Yeah. And theoretically save you money, depending on how much they end up charging for it. Yeah. I mean, they could easily kill this by charging too much, and that would be the end of that. Yep. But no, if they get the pricing right, this is this is great. Yeah. All right. Moving on to our one of the big stories this week that was reported around the world, but originated right here in Wellington, New Zealand. Uh, a Wellington man is basically, or has, it's already happened now, he's uh, he's given away a diamond ring. You see, what he'd done is he'd purchased this ring for about $5,000 in Hong Kong, uh, and he proposed, uh, she said no, and he's left with his ring. Now, he didn't want to give it to the next girl in line, because that was kind of like, you know, giving her second best, you know, second-hand ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know he didn't really see the need to sell it, so he thought he was going to give it away. And the way he did it is he basically held a treasure hunt uh, in Wellington City with clues given out on Twitter. A very novel way of doing it, I thought. Oh, indeed. And you know, good did, on him. Did you take? Did you take part? No, no, no. I did hear about it on the radio when I woke up in the morning. But yeah, I actually took part in this. And no, you it, did. Yeah, in fact, I tweeted that... that you obviously it, didn't get it. No, I didn't. No, I, I'll say that now. But I tweeted beforehand, b- before the whole thing started, saying that if I find the ring, I'm going to sell it. I'm going to give half of the money to charity, a, a charity of my choice, and the other half mm-hmm. I'll give to that guy. <laughs> yep, I tweeted that, and that's what I was going to do, but it never happened. But I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what did happen. I was following the clues, and I did some research on the net to try and solve the clues. And in the end, I worked out uh, that I thought I knew where it was. I figured it was around the, the waterfront near Ferg's kayaks. And yeah. I thought, right, should I go and get this ring? And uh, I sort of ummed and ah, and I thought, oh, surely everyone else will have got, you know, will be down there now because the clues were getting quite easy by that stage. But I thought, yeah. oh, look, you've got to be into it. Have a bit of fun. Let's do it. So I jumped on my 50cc scooter and 10 minutes later, <laughs> I was down there. But in that 10 minutes, it was found. Uh. Ah. Yeah. The TV crew and everything was, were down there. Oh, neat. Yeah. I thought that was that was quite neat. He what was interesting though is on the TV news he he didn't want to show his face. They because you know the media were following him around and he was okay with that. He you know he'd yeah. meet up with them and say yeah yeah um you know let's you know I'm happy for you to do the story, but he insisted that they never show his face and I'm not really sure why. But maybe he doesn't want the. I mean he's given away his name so I don't know. It's kind of weird. Yeah maybe yeah. Who knows? Some people just don't like cameras in their faces. Yeah. But a very inventive way to use Twitter. And yes. No, absolutely. A very generous way to, for you know, a 29-year-old guy to give away the, the engagement ring instead of you know putting on trade me to try and get back some of the money. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, that was, <laughs> this is good. This guy, actually, did you feel the earthquake just now, Brett? No, we just, there was an earthquake just now. Yeah, well, I'll follow up in a, in a second uh, when I'll check the seismic drums online, but I'm pretty sure that was an earthquake. 
Wow, I did uh, not feel a thing. By the time our listeners hear this, it's <laughs> been and gone, and it's it's pretty minor. But I'll follow up and uh, and see see, what it, <laughs> see if it was one or or just um or just the earth moving for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, you know this this whole um, treasure hunt thing was was kind of fun. I really enjoyed it. It was. You, I kind of, you know, you're taking part in something that hundreds of other people were taking part in, but no one kind of knew who was who, you know? Mm-hmm. It's kind of a fun thing. Uh, you know, when, at the end of it all, I thought, oh, it might be quite nice to actually have a regular treasure hunt like that. It'd be kind of cool. It would. Expensive for whoever was trying to put it on, though. Yeah, well, that, that's the downside. <laughs> You're going to fork up the money for a $5,000 ring. <laughs> well, what about, what about sponsors? What about, you know, we're doing a, a, a Vodafone treasure hunt. Uh, you know, this week it's the, the vote, well, this month it's the Vodafone treasure hunt. It's a brilliant idea for, for a marketing shtick. Yeah. yeah. We could do a Boys of Tech. We could, we could sponsor a few grand. Not sure where we'd get the money from, but. <laughs> <laughs> We'll just make it up. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, it was found by an architecture student, and in fact, he doesn't have a girlfriend, but I bet he does now. <laughs> or he's a, <laughs> a couple of grand richer. Yeah, yeah. I don't quite know <laughs> he what he sold it on trade me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he did with it, but uh, yeah, no, good on him. I mean, that was you know um, first, you know, first to find it wins it. So um, that's Indeed. the deal, and that's how it went. So a lot of fun here in Wellington. All right, uh, ATMs in Eastern Europe have malware. Would you believe <laughs> that? Ah, I can indeed. <laughs> Especially when they're running Windows XP. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're running Windows XP. Being um, a you know an ATM hardware novice, I had expected all ATMs to be running on some sort of proprietary OS or or embedded system. And it wasn't until I was walking past one of the cash machines at Manor's Mall and it was showing a blue screen of death that I I realized for the first time (laughs) that, okay, they're running Windows. (laughs) Do they they really show a blue screen of death when they crash? Yes. Because it's Windows. Oh, my goodness. One was showing a blue screen of death and the same machine, obviously the machine was having some issues, the same machine a week later had a Windows window pop-up. Like a dialogue box, and you're a dialogue box kind of thing. A pop-up, you know, a Windows pop-up with an error message. Kernel32.dll error or something like that. Something like that. (laughs) It was hilarious. (laughs) Look, I I had no idea these things run Windows XP either. I kind of thought it would be... As you said, something custom. I mean, it doesn't... Something custom, something secure and proprietary, but no. I mean, to be be honest, it doesn't need to run Windows XP, does it? No, no. It doesn't do a lot. I mean, the back end does, but all it needs to do is feed... You know, it can feed data to a Windows server or Windows workstation behind it, but the actual terminal you wouldn't think needs to be Windows XP. No. So that but a lot of them are. So, and now we have malware for them. Yeah. What I thought was interesting because I've I've read several articles on this particular thing this past week, and it was wasn't until the very last one I read, which <laughs> that finally said how the malware got on there in the first place. Because I was wondering how in the world do you infect these ATM machines? Because there's no USB port. How did how did the malware get on there? Is it coming through a some sort of 
weird exploit through the ATM card reader or something like that. But it wasn't until I read the final article where it says that the stuff is being installed by – has to be installed by somebody who can get physical access to the back of the machine. Uh, so it's an inside job, is it? So it's almost certainly an inside job. Mm-hmm. There's no other way you could do it. It's somebody who's got access to the back of it, which either means the AT- somebody at the ATM manufacturer, somebody at the ATM distributor, somebody at who gets access to the back of the machine to fill it up. And somebody who works at the bank and does service, they must be in on it to actually get this malware on it. But so <laughs> that's how it gets on there. But I thought it was really cool how as far as something which is terribly, terribly bad can be cool. But cool that if you were one of the people in on this job, you just stick in your specially coded ATM card, punch in a number, and it gives you your little secret menu and allows you to print out records and stuff using the receipt printer. Yeah. I thought that was neat. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a neat hack. I mean, and the, the other thing they can do also is uh, get it to dispense as much money as they want from from the machine. And they Indeed, hold they to, can empty the cash. Yeah, the, they the cash up to half a million dollars at once in those machines. So, yeah. This is scary stuff. And they can get the pins and card information from every ATM card that has been used in it. Yeah, and in fact, they believe that this malware was ex- is, was actually doing exactly that. It was stealing information. Stealing information would be the primary thing. Because you wouldn't... It'd be very quick to notice that an ATM had malware on it if suddenly the you know the day after the ATM was filled it's empty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> less likely if the you know the uh, the real payload of the malware is just to steal the information on people's cards so that they can so the criminals can get access to people's accounts. Either that or it was Bill Gates making a withdrawal. Well, true, true. So he, he might be, he might have a much ra- larger withdrawal limit than the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, this is actually scary stuff. You you kind of you know ATMs and, and malware. You kind of think no, no, no. But indeed, you, you know. think the 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 chain of custody of the the security on an ATM is as high as you could possibly get it. That there would be no chance of anything bad being on that. And then what happens? You end up with ATMs which have malware on it. So the ATM itself is capturing your details. You're not secure using a bank's ATM because you know there's always been there's been skimmers around for many many years. Those are the devices which people have created to fit over the card slot to capture card information that goes past them into the real card slot of ATM machines. And there'd normally be a you know a pinhole camera hidden somewhere where it could get sight of the keypad, and that was the previous way that people would catch yeah, that people's. Was, that was card a very manual way, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a very manual way because it had to be installed on top of it. And so then banks started and ATM manufacturers started creating ATM interfaces which had devices or were built in such a way that you would be it would be obvious that there was a skimmer installed on it. And so people became, you know, more secure in the use of the ATMs and more conscious to hide their pins when they're putting in, hide the keypad when they're putting in their pin numbers. But this, this being, you know, the malware being inside the ATM, literally, 
there's no way the person using the ATM can do anything about that. No, and you, so, would, you wouldn't you wouldn't know. That's this is the thing. You, you indeed know. you wouldn't know. It is it is really really sneaky, really really damaging in the trust of bank customers using ATMs, and they're really going to have to come up with something which reinstalls people's faith in the use of these devices if it has been discovered that you know a couple of dozen ATM machines in Russia and Eastern Europe and indications of some ATM machines in the US being infected with this malware it's got to shake your bank users trust in using those ATM machines well the ones you you know you, you said there's only about you know, a couple of dozen odd but those are the ones we know I mean, mm, I don't know. Those are the ones we know, and that's quite possibly because somebody decided to use the "let's empty the cash from the ATM machine" trigger. Yeah. Who knows how many we don't know about? Because all those machines are doing is capturing the card information. The criminals haven't used it to empty the cash machines. Yeah, yeah. so it, it, it sort of operates silently. Yeah, um, and, and until something happens, you may not notice. But what indeed, I'm, and it it shakes your trust. Yeah. You, you expect oh, yeah. those machines to be secure. You do not expect somebody to be able to compromise the machine itself, the integrity of that machine. And so ATM manufacturers in the banking industry better do something about this and quick smart because you'll see people starting to shy away from using ATMs. What I'd like to and know. In, and in this economic environment, things which make people less likely to get it, less likely to get their money out is going to be even worse for the economy. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. What I'd like to know is whether there's a Norton antivirus signature for this and, and whether they even have antivirus on those ATM machines. Well, who knows? You'd expect it if it was a network-connected PC. Generally, you'd have antivirus, but... You wouldn't want them. You wouldn't want to think that you'd need to have antivirus software on your ATM machine. It doesn't feel right, does it? No. Antivirus software is installed on machines which have the potential for being infected or connected to things they shouldn't be. You don't want to have that expectation of your ATM machine. You want to go up to your ATM machine and know that that ATM machine is talking securely to something secure and there is no way, no how, anything can meddle with it. Well, if something did happen and your account was compromised, I, I guess that would be the bank's liability, would it not? It, it, well, you would hope so. You would hope you would be able to track it back, but then who knows? If somebody steals your card information and then uses it surreptitiously around the place, you might not even notice. Well, that's a Unless you are a person who yeah. really kept track of your bank statements and matched up all of your receipts throughout the day with what's on your bank statement, you might not even notice. Yeah, you, you could take out they could be taking out only a few dollars of maybe a million or more accounts and mm -hmm. you know this is this is scary stuff it is maybe we should redo ATMs and put Linux on them or something <laughs> I think a proprietary closed source software would be much better yeah. I would feel much more comfortable with something an embedded proprietary closed source software well hang on a minute <laughs> The way this was done, as you said, was an inside job. 
would it yeah. matter what OS goes on there if it's what you, as you just described now a custom you know in-house ah, built one couldn't it someone depends. Still- no if you made it a closed source you know proprietary embedded software with without the ability to up you know update the software itself without physically doing something replacing a chip or a module or something like that then you you bring in that chain of custody again and you know that the only people who can do anything to the the software that runs the machine is the manufacturer and then you know if something goes wrong with it that it's something at the manufacturer right now there are so many people in the chain that get access to the back of those things who could have done this who do you you don't have anywhere to start with right you don't know who to who to suspect and and track it from there. Yeah, that uh, that's, that's true. So I guess that um, I mean, no method is going to be a hundred percent secure. But if, no method but, is a hundred percent secure. But I'm if you have a you know an appropriately placed inside person, at least you can reduce that uh, mm. the risk by having a, a, a sort of a proprietary embedded system. Yeah, yeah, it just, an embedded it system that has no physical way within the machine of interfacing with it. So without just, having it taken out. So you'd have to replace the chip, yeah? You, you pull yeah. out a chip and you put a new one in. Exactly. But then, well, actually, well, there's a thought. Couldn't they be getting hold of those chips and then, you know, dumping the code and reverse engineering it and putting I guess it's a whole lot harder, isn't it? Yeah. Than, than just some standard It's Windows, a whole lot harder than, malware. than writing some yeah. malware code which runs on Windows. And we know that anybody, <laughs> anybody if with a good internet search can find a way of doing something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. I wonder if those machines are actually internet connected. They wouldn't be, would they? They'd have a private well, network, wouldn't they? You'd hope not. They'd be privately privately networked. Well, that's what we said. That's what we said about them about them running Windows in the first place. No, they wouldn't be Windows, would they? So now, who knows? Who really knows? All righty. Hey, by the way, that was an earthquake. I had a look. Uh, there's a nice little shake on the drum. No. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, I didn't feel it over here. It didn't make anything move. I've got no details yet because I haven't put posted that up but i i can see the live drum so yeah i'll I'll tell you what i'll I'll do a little uh i'll I'll do a guess i'll I'll wager that it was a 4.3 how's that yeah okie dokie we'll see what it was we'll have to report back on that next week we will or maybe even by the end of the show there might be something up who knows all right so so moving on to google is going to be debuting chrome for mac and linux yay (laughs) the caveat for that is that what is what they're releasing is rough developer preview versions but it's still a big step finally we get a mac os x one and a linux version yeah you're right that we should actually stress that it's not actually a, a release version it's a it's a developer version which is which means it's even buggier than the betas that you you know public betas Indeed, it is not beta worthy. No, no. <laughs> but <laughs> that, like, that's going to stop people with Mac OS X and Linux from downloading it and giving it a try. Oh, they still will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Though they're yes, <laughs> Google has warned. <laughs> yeah, just anecdotally, though, uh, speaking with some of my you know IT colleagues, I just I haven't really heard a lot of nice things about uh, Chrome. What's What's your experience in in, in you know in talking with people about that? Well, not a lot of people I know know 
what Chrome is when I say Chrome. And I myself have only used a, I used a, checked out a beta version of it ages ago. I haven't even tried a stable version recently. Yeah, look, I, I haven't actually used it myself, but uh, a lot of people have said that it's, it's a bit of a nasty app and it doesn't do things right or doesn't follow this or that or, you know, it, uh, I don't know. But I, well, I don't want to pass judgment yet because I haven't used it. But mm. It's much newer than any of the other web browsers out there. And they've all got pedigrees. And even though there are new versions of all of them out, they've all, you know, got tried and true methodologies for doing their stuff. Google is completely new. Yeah. Uh, Chrome, I mean. I think one of the issues is that it doesn't understand certain proxy protocols or, or, or ways of passing HTTP through certain proxies and certain configurations or something like that. But look, I, as I said, I won't pass judgment yet because I haven't used Indeed. it, but I just wanted... There's what, a lot of stuff which yeah. they just haven't not they haven't yet. implemented yet. It's it's not. It's like a lot of Google things. Google has so many different services that have been used for such a long time, but they all have the word beta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> next to them, how how long did Google Search have beta stuck next to it? How long did Gmail have beta yeah, stuck? Yeah, Gmail next to it? was. Yeah, yeah. And Chrome, Chrome's still a beta. It. There's a lot of plugins, you know, the Flash plugin being you know, a prominent example. They don't work in Google and Chrome yet. And there are tons, hundreds of bugs that still need to be stomped out. But The good thing about Chrome is that it's actually at 1.8% market share, uh, which puts it at more than twice the market share of Opera, which has been around for a long time. Opera has fact, been around for ages, it's, but that once again, that's the name Google yeah. being leveraged yeah. behind Chrome. Yep, absolutely. Opera is, look, Opera is a great browser. It's very compliant. It is a brilliant browser. Yeah. It's just not that well known and it's not, not that popular. It's not that well known. It's They haven't really done a lot of advertising. And I think their previous free versions of Opera, which used to be ad-supported and had annoying banner ads inbuilt into the browser, harmed its reputation. Yeah. Oh, don't remind me of those. Yeah. Yeah, that was nasty. Yeah. No, I didn't Mm. like – I I think they realized it was a mistake as well. Yeah. But hey, yeah. they had to try something. Just in case you Indeed, were, indeed. It's very hard to make money in that sort of market. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just in case you want to know where the market share standings are at the moment, Internet Explorer at 65%, Firefox at 22.5%, Safari at uh, a little over 8 Chrome at 1.8%, Netscape at 0.74%, Opera at 072 It's almost going to overtake Netscape. And uh, 0.28 is other, I guess, links and other things mm. but uh, yeah so that's the, late, the latest standings according to net applications yeah. alrighty well that's uh, Chrome uh, look I might have to try that out on, on my Mac and, and see what I think but it, you know it is it is a developer version so it's kind of hard so there'll to, be a lot of bugs but yeah. you'll be able to you know bask in some chromey goodness well yeah uh, well you know you'll at least I'll get a feel for the interface that's if anything yeah all right, we had a birthday last week, and it was uh, COBOL. This week, it's happy birthday to Tetris. Uh, that was on Saturday. Oh, happy birthday, Tetris. Yeah, let's cue in the music. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, happy birthday. 
Happy birthday to you. So yeah, happy birthday Tetris. It was created by a Russian programmer. Uh, and I'll tell you what uh, te- the name Tetris comes from. It's a combination of the words Tetramino and Tennis. Now at this point, you're probably thinking, what is what's a, tetra- a Tetramino? <laughs> yeah, what's a Tetramino? Well, look, I had to look it up as well. A Tetramino is actually a name of a shape, or rather a collection of shapes. A Tetramino is basically any shape that you can construct from placing four squares adjacent to each other, which are basically the shapes you have in Tetris. Indeed. There are seven of them, and those 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 are all Tetraminos. So, so happy birthday, Tetris. Who hasn't Indeed. played Tetris? Everyone's I... played Tetris. <laughs> I think you would have had to not have a cell phone or not have, a, not have had a Game Boy or any sort of embedded game device to have never played Tetris. Oh, it even made it to the arcades, didn't it? Indeed. You played Tetris popping in your 20-cent piece. In fact, I, I'm pretty sure I saw you playing Tetris one day after school, way back mm-hmm. then. On one of those arcade machines. Yes, indeed. So there we go. Happy birthday, Tetris. And Brett, is there anything you want to add to the the list of stories? Because that's pretty much our show for for this week, unless unless you want to pipe in. No, other than I think next week we should have a whole heap of stuff from E3. Oh, yes. Yes, E3. Uh, We'll have to report on what the, the big stories are from there. Indeed, there's been a lot of stuff going down at E3. Microsoft's had some big announcements. Lots of game news has come out. It's nice to see E3 making a comeback. Yeah, I heard that Microsoft actually stole stole a show in the, mm. in the gaming uh, arena. Yeah, well, we'll talk about it next week. We will. And I'll just have a quick look, see if that uh, earthquake has been reported. Yep, there we go. It's a 3.9. Ah, you were a little too high. Yeah, a little too high, yeah. All right, okay, look, thanks for hosting the show uh, again with me, Brett. It is always a pleasure. We'll do it all again next week for episode 21. In the meantime, this is episode 20 wrapped up. Thank you for joining us. See you again next week. Bye-bye. See you later.